You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a special day for us all here. It's KC Draft Guide release day. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of time and effort and energy put into this by a lot of different people and really excited that we finally get to kind of show everybody our work, a 300 page book specifically about the Chiefs and the draft. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I got some things planned for that and here to help me talk about everything are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, as people are listening to this, the KC Draft Guide is out. How does it feel? I mean, it feels great to have the Draft Guide out in your guys' hands or, I guess, in front of your eyes on your computer screens, unless you've already printed it off, which, like, awesome. I'm jealous because I probably have not got it printed off at this point in time to have it in my hands. But you know what feels even better? To be joined by the face of the KC Draft Guide, Hollywood Swanson himself, and the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Craig Stout. Tell everybody how you're doing today, buddy. Man, Mitch Holthus is going to sue somebody. We're going to keep throwing this word around like this. My goodness. We got to be careful with that. That, that. That's nonsense. No, it feels great. Um, typically, this thing clocks in at over 100,000 words. It's 300 pages, like Kent said. This is a full-fledged book that the four of us, plus plus stags with his awesome you know season review piece that he put in there as well this is a full-fledged book that we wrote it's absolutely ridiculous that we spent this much amount of time on the kansas city chiefs draft that's how much we love it and we know how much you guys love it because you've been buying it like crazy please 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 love it read it enjoy it it's for you that's why we did it so i we're just so happy that it's in your hands at this point yeah, really appreciative of everybody that's that's bought it. This is a passion project for us. Um, the, uh, the the draft is something that's brought us all together. I think the reason we're doing this show is because we all bonded over the NFL draft. Well, you know, in 2018, I, I believe, before we were the AP Laboratory, before all three of us were writing for Arrowhead Pride at the same time, we all kind of started bonding over the NFL draft. And so this is kind of the byproduct of, you know, some friends putting something together. I want to thank Pete Sweeney, our dear pal, the editor of this thing. I want to thank Dane Van Wy, who is unbelievably talented and we're beyond lucky to to have him participating in this project. Um, he's just the best. Obviously, our pal Jake, uh, our buddy Matt Stagner. Really appreciative of, of everybody that's made this thing possible. And if you want to go to gum.co slash KCDraftGuide21, that's where you can purchase this thing. What we're going to do today uh, is we are going to do a full mock draft with only high fits 
in the KC draft guide. So these are all players that were high fits in the KC draft guide for us. Um, and just kind of maybe kind of present a, a draft in that kind of fashion. So uh, let's just jump right into it. The 31st pick in the draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select for us an interior offensive lineman, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. And here's where it gets interesting. Um, he's kind of a – some people are going to have him as a tackle. Some people are going to have him as an interior offensive lineman. We have him as an interior offensive lineman. But when I was doing work – on the arm length requirements of Steve Spag or of not Steve Spagnuolo. We've been talking about Steve Spagnuolo arm lengths forever. Of Andy Reid <laughs> tackles. He's one of the few guys that meets the threshold. It is very interesting to see what's going on right now with regard to this tackle class which I've dubbed the year of the uh, of the T-Rex. Um they are a lot of shorter arm guys and Andy Reid is typically coveted length and you will find all of those measurables and all the details about which guys fit, which guys don't in the draft guide. But Alex Leatherwood is one of six guys that is above the average Andy Reid draft pick of arm length. And he's currently situated as an interior offensive lineman on our board. But this year we're going to, for this, we're having him sticking out at tackle because he does have the desirable length. Kent has said it before that, some of these guys are probably going to profile a little bit closer to an interior offensive lineman and that you should play them outside and let them fail there first. Like if you're going to give up on them at tackle, at least give them the opportunity to do that. This is kind of the opposite for Leatherwood, a guy that we think probably profiles a little bit better at guard. I've watched a lot of NFL rushers or NFL quality rushers go up against Alex Leatherwood and kind of give him the business a little bit. It's not been pretty all the time for him, but he does have that length and he does have the size that Andy Reid covets. With so few of those guys, Alex Leatherwood is a tackle. He played tackle at Alabama. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, even if we and some other teams think that he's probably best suited at guard. It is not out of the realm of possibility with the way that Andy Reid uses this offensive lineman that he could go out, add Alex Leatherwood, and say, okay, we're going to put you next to Joe Thune. We're going to hope that you are going to learn and develop really, really well and be able to play on the outside, be our left tackle of the future, and we're going to give you every opportunity to do that before we decide that maybe we're going to move you around our offensive line. And that's the thing with Leatherwood is, I mean, you look at the, just the physical profile when he's checking it at six foot five, 312 pounds, he churned out one of the best pro days, you know, testing wise for any offensive tackle of all time. You know, he came out with a sub five second, 40 yard dash over 34 inch vertical, nearly a 10 foot broad jump. Like he's explosive. He's fast. He's got everything in a linear path that you could ask for. So, it, and then you add in the arm length. It's easy to see why somebody would like him at tackle in the NFL, but I'm with Craig. Every time I turn him on, yeah, there's flashes of him being good, but every single time he went up against an NFL caliber rusher on the outside, there's just too many reps of him just losing. And it's not always the same way. It's not one specific thing over and over again. So it's easy to talk about how you can coach him up, get him to work on the outside. It's just over and over again. I see him get worked over by edge rushers, and it's caused me some hesitation to try to play him on the outside. It really has. I would play him at guard if I was in charge of the team. 
That said, the Chiefs have a very specific profile they like at offensive tackles. Andy Reid has very clearly steered towards a very specific prototype, and one of the few guys in this draft that is hitting that prototype is Alex Leatherwood. There's not very many guys worth the 31st pick in the draft that fit that prototype either. This is absolutely this is going to be a year where Andy Reid might have to make some exceptions to some of his arm length preferences, and you can see all that in the KZ draft guide. We'll kind of detail that. I do think I'm not a like honestly. This isn't a pick I'm excited about, but it's a it's a pick that makes a lot of sense right now with where we're at and what we're looking at as far as preferences and, and play type and. I, you know, Maddie, I, I think Alex Leatherwood's a guy that's always struggled with power. Like, that's definitely something that's really baked into his game. He's really had a lot of struggles with power, and that's something that you will give you pause. So, um, all right, let's move on. Oh, do you have something else, Maddie? I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you that going into this year, when I watched him back in, you know, 2019, it was in the run game. He's a mauling run blocker. He's physical. He's strong. He moves bodies. And then when he goes into pass protection, he gets eaten alive by power. He looks like a power tackle that gets beat up by power routinely, and it was just really hard to pinpoint why. I think one other thing that I saw down at the Senior Bowl, when he was sliding out in his kick slide, every time he decided to move his hands to try to punch a rusher, he would drop you know, his slide foot, and that would rotate his hips. He would throw off his angles, and it was just that that's something that's fixable, but that's kind of the issues where I see when you put him outside on the edge, there's just some technical issues. There's some physical issues with handling certain types of rushers that give me some pause on the outside. All right, let's go to round two with the 63rd pick in the 2020, 2021 NFL Draft. The Kansas City Chiefs select cornerback Elijah Molden out of Washington. And this is a little bit unique because this is probably a, a slot-only guy. We're in this scenario projecting Legereus Sneed playing outside. But this is one of some of these some of the guys that did this this draft guy's favorite players in the class. He Elijah Molden is really fun to watch and is a spags slot corner. We saw the Chiefs try and go after another smaller slot corner earlier on in free agency this year, indicating that they might be willing to move Legarius Need outside. Elijah Molden is not going to wow you with his numbers. If you go look at his testing, it is not particularly good. He ran slow. He he checked in under 5'10". He's pretty light. He's kind of explosive, but not really. That shouldn't change your idea on what Elijah Molden is because he's physical, he is highly intelligent, and he has terrific ball skills. He reminds me a lot of a very, very young Tyron Matthew. He's a guy that just reads the game better than everybody else in the secondary. He's able to make adjustments on the fly, and he's going to come up and be very physical from the slot corner position, and he's going to let you know about it the entire time that he's doing it. Elijah Molden is a really fun watch. He would fit perfectly in this defense, and my... Everything that I was worried about from adding another small player to this secondary was completely alleviated when they started speaking with, you know, Kwan Williams earlier on this season. So I, I am just willing to accept that Spags is going to have another short guy in the secondary. You might as well go out and get one of the best ones at the position at this spot. So Elijah Molden got a my guy stamp for me, and that should come as no surprise because, you know, short, feisty corners always are going to get my guy stamps from Matthew. 
Washington corners too. Like it feels like there's a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all love Washington corners very often. Bayron Murphy, for instance. But Marcus Peters, baby. Can anybody tell me why the number one reason why Elijah Molden got a Matthew My Guy stamp after watching him? Because he flexed after every single tackle he ever made on a football field. That is why you need that. I'm with Craig here, though. I was torn on if the Chiefs should kick Legere Sneak back outside where he started the year or if he should play in the slot. As time's gone on, I came to the realization that I would keep him in the slot because I think it's a more impactful position for Steve Spagnuolo. The way this defense is structured, I think your slot corner needs to be the best corner on your roster. The outside guys get more help. They're not really asked to do that challenging of a job. That said, so that's why I would keep Legereus Sneed there. But that being said, it seems like if they were willing to bring in Williams, like it sounds like some people in the building, you know, were at least interested in the possibility of that before the injury issue, that means Snead's got to be going back outside. You're not taking him off the field. That pushes Snead outside. If that's in the cards, if that's what you're planning on doing is playing with Jerry Snead, whose body type and physical profile fits better outside, I will say that, then you need a stud to step back in at the slot. You need a stud to come in and play that nickel role. We know who that is. Elijah Molden. Well, I don't think we're talking much about the fact that the Chiefs have. I looked at some at slot corner, at identifying slot corner uh, in free agency. That should tell you something. And, you know, Craig, what you've talked about with this draft is there's so many guys in the slot that make a lot of sense, and there's good value in the slot, uh, especially on day two. Yeah, there's a lot of good value, which would make this pick a little a little steep. But Elijah Molden is the best uh, of those guys. If you're going to go in, go in hard. But it may be a little early to target slot corner. But Elijah Molden, the guy we haven't talked about very much, that is an extremely high fit for a Steve Spagnolo defense. So, I, I mean, I would not be mad at this pick. I'd actually be pretty happy about this pick. That secondary got a lot better with this pick. It's interesting outside of Tyron Matthew, this team hasn't made ex- like exorbitant expenses at, at the defensive back in the, the defensive backfield period. I mean, Legereus need they, they struck gold and I mean, this would be another second round pick. So uh, it's, it's really cool to see this team kind of build this thing, uh, you know, over the course of time. All right. Round three, the 94th pick in the 2021 NFL draft. The Kansas City Chiefs select wide receiver Seth Williams out of Auburn, a guy who profiles as a X receiver. So here's the interesting thing with um, wide receivers and Chiefs fit is what do the Chiefs see as a high fit? Do the Chiefs see guys in the Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, even up to like kind of Demarcus Robinson a little bit mold? as their high fits or do they think based on those guys being on the roster already that they need a big bodied x type wide receiver to replace what sammy watkins is bringing them so like high fit here is a little bit more subjective because as fans i think we would all call an x wide receiver that's checking in you know at six foot three 215 pounds a high fit but are the chiefs going to see that we don't really know that's a hard one to gauge because what Football tells you just the general aspect of football says they need somebody this profile, this size, this ability to win off, you know, press coverage to win in the red zone would be a guy that they need. But do they feel that way? 
I'm not sure. The fact that Andy Reid has always had a receiver, you know, over six feet tall. He's always fielded a true X wide receiver going back to Philadelphia in Kansas City. Yes, it was Jeremy Macklin for a little bit, but he filled that role. They've always had a guy like that. You should keep your eyes open for a guy that can do those things. Seth Williams has struggled with his uh, desire to play sometimes. Having the quarterback issues that they do at Auburn will 100% do that to you. His best, though, right now is phenomenal. Go back and watch the season opener versus Kentucky. He put that secondary through the ringer in the end, in the red zone all over the field. Seth Williams a big-bodied guy that I think could come in and help right away. Yeah, Maddie's underselling that a little bit. He's 6'3", 211. Seth Williams is huge. Like, and And he's not particularly slow i mean he he runs a sub four five forty which is plenty to take the top off of a defense especially when you're having to allocate safety help to tyreek hill mccall hardman out of the slot whatever you're doing over there you 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 can't just allow seth williams to run on you he also is explosive he had good jumps he's got a huge wingspan and he's got terrific body control like this is a contested catch receiver he's going to be able to go up against nfl level cornerbacks and he's going to win at the catch point because that's what he's best at now he's probably not going to create separation early in his career and that's going to maybe be a problem as an x receiver but he is probably going to be a weapon in some of these situations, like Maddie said, red zone, you know, these got to have it situations where you can throw a little bit more of a jump ball, have Seth Williams make a play on it because he's going to go up and get it. Like he, his motor and questions about his motor disappear when the ball's in the air because he's going to go get it. But route running, everything like that will take some development. But at this point in the draft, you get a guy like this, you're going to get contribution. You're going to be able to put him in the lineup and have him be effective you're just going to need a little bit of work before you can count on him to run the full X route tree. And I think there's hope for him as a route runner. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, some guys, I think you look and you say, eh, the physical profile isn't going to be able to consistently separate. But I do think that there are some things with Seth Williams that he's going to be able to over time develop as a guy that can generate some separation and create some separation. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be able to catch a slant over the middle. Um, I think he'll do a lot of real fun things outside the numbers, though. And I think that's one big thing that you uh, you like about him. Uh, because I think he's a guy that wins above the rim. He's going to, you know, a 50-50 ball isn't a 50-50 ball with him. It's a 60-40. It's a 70-30. Uh, and if Patrick Mahomes has enough trust in him to give him an opportunity outside the numbers, it could really open some things up for this team. They really haven't done a lot of stuff with the back shoulder um, plays particularly much. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes should... He can thrive with anything. They tried it with uh, with Kelvin Benjamin in the very limited time that he was here. Do you remember that one that back, one shoulder, back shoulder throw that really Hey, worked. he made that a one. sick catch that awesome. he just happened to be it, out of bounds on. One catch for eight yards, I believe, was Kelvin Benjamin's stats with the Chiefs. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with the rest of our mock draft. Day three, right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, day one and day two are in the books for our mock drafts. Let's move on to day three. And in round four with pick 136, the Kansas City Chiefs address the edge position with a guy that could potentially be very good value, defensive end, Deo Odeyingbo. Odeyingbo? I don't know. I, we're going we're gonna to learn that. Out of Vanderbilt. Craig, this could be a very good value pick. It could. This is, it was, we were talking about my guy stamps earlier. Deo Odeyingbo got one of my guy stamps. He is long, he is powerful, and he plays exactly as Steve Spagnolo wants his defensive ends to play, down to the point where he will kick in to nose tackle, line up opposite of Mississippi State's center, and give him the business for five straight plays, five different ways, and win and live in the quarterback's lap. It, it was an impressive thing to watch him set up a rush plan on an interior offensive lineman being a defensive end, being a guy that was winning on the outside with different methods and things like that. He is super long, and he plays the run ridiculously well. I, this Deo would have been a day-two guy, I think, almost assuredly had he not torn his Achilles in the lead-up to the Senior Bowl. So he's going to fall to day three. And this may seem a little early for a guy that's not going to play in 2021, likely not going to play. It is, however, a position where you can get a earlier-round talent way late. And I think he's a guy that, with the scheme that this team wants to run, is a super high fit and you can just redshirt him a year, have him get healthy, and then turn him loose and be impressed by the fact that this guy is smart, powerful, and long, and that's exactly what Steve Spagnuolo wants out of his defensive ends. So one of my favorite things about Deo was early on in the process, I think Craig had watched a game of his and just wasn't overly impressed. It was just a quick you know, game, see what he's all about. He went through him and he was like, okay, I see what he has, but he wasn't overly impressed. And I happened to just be watching him in a different game, not even watching him, but watching somebody else. And I went back and I was like, Craig, I think we need to rewatch this Deo guy because there's a, there's some fun stuff here. And we sat down, you know, and Craig went back and watched him again. And he came when he's like, oh yeah, he's going to be one of my guys too, because he's a lot of fun. And he is, I mean, that's exactly what he is. If you're, if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to think that the Chiefs, Steve Spagnuolo especially, are going to continue to follow his trends. Well, one, Deo came in, he checked in at six foot five, 276 pounds, over 35 inch arms. So yes, Spagnolo defensive end. But you are also looking for that one guy that's your defensive end to kick inside the defensive tackle on pass rushing downs, much like Tano Passanio. You need that direct replacement as of right now. You don't really have that guy. Tell you one guy that works in that exact same mold right now, that's Deo. Now, don't get stole, you know, Tano didn't maybe turn out for his draft slot, but you're getting Deo a couple rounds later. I think he's already more technical than Tano was three years into the NFL. So keep that in mind. I think this is a guy that would be a perfect one-to-one replacement over a player the Chiefs are currently losing to free agency right now. A guy that roughed up the SEC too. This isn't Tano playing at a lower level. He roughed up the SEC. He did. 
and there's some very fun moments for him a lot of versatility a guy that makes a lot of sense and again potential great value this late in the draft and i i don't think it, i i think he's making i think he will be there in day three i really do i think he will ultimately be in there day three because of the injury all right compensatory uh pick round four number 144 we're going with interior offensive lineman trey hill out of georgia he's a center and he's a potentially great center. I talked a little bit him a, a little bit about him, I believe, in the last couple of weeks. But if you fix some of his leverage issues, where you know he jumps up out of the stance pretty high, you work on his stance, you work on his leverage. Man, I think you've got a really good football player. Um, pretty good movement skills for man his size. Very physical, powerful. Anchors extremely well. He's a wide base, big bodied interior offensive lineman. Um, but I was really overall, overall impressed with him. And I think, honestly, I think there's a chance that there's a coaching staff that looks at him and sees some of the very fixable issues with his game and says, I can work with this. It takes him in day two. I think he could fall. He could sneak into late day two of this draft. Um, I like him best as a center. I do think he's a guy that probably needs to have the ball in his hands. Um, just because I don't think, I mean, just because he has good movement skills for a man his size doesn't mean that there's not some concerns about his ability to move um because there is he's not the fastest or quickest guy he's not the easiest mover to the second level but I do think there's quality movement skills for a man his size I think this is a guy that you could really do some very simple things to him to, to, to make him great value uh and hopefully he's there at pick 144 because I'd love that she's to take him around this range and this is the tricky part with trying to gauge kind of high fits or what are good fits for the Chiefs interior offensive line because Trey Hill I mean I really like his tape. I think he's a guy that can go out and do a little bit of everything. But if I were to nail down like him as a perfect fit, I would have said last offseason when the Chiefs looked like they were adding a little bit more power through some of the guys they were interested in, adding Kalecio Simley, like Trey Hill would have been a fantastic guy to thrust in there. Now, Trey Hill sliding in between you know Joe Tooney, Kyle Long with his power, it's an interesting mix with those guys, but what I do think it does, something that the Chiefs desperately need, and I think it's very clear they are attacking, creating some stability and some durability on that interior offensive lineman. He's a guy, he's played a lot of games, he hasn't been injured, hasn't missed a lot of games, and then he's a guy that's not going to get pushed back. He's not going to let the pocket integrity you know, get disrupted, and I think that's something, especially when you're going to be dealing with Mike Rimmers or a, essentially a rookie and Lucas Niang starting at right tackle. And this situation, Alex Leatherwood starting at left tackle, you need that pocket to be clean. You need there to be a lot of space. So you have the athleticism flanking a very powerful, strong center on either side. I think that's a recipe to create a clean, good pocket for a quarterback to step up in. I fully see how those guys kind of all gel together on the football field. All right, let's move on to round five. Pick 175, and this is a fun one I really like. Wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. Really like this pick. So here's the thing. I think a guy catching a lot of hype right now has been Diami Brown. He's a guy that everyone's falling in love with, you know, not all of a sudden, but as the process goes on, because his route running on the vertical route tree is absolutely fantastic. He's a good vertical receiver that has enough size to transition to more. Guess who like the Kmart version of that same Diami Brown is? That's Amir Smith-Marset. Coming in at six feet tall, only 181 pounds. He's a little skinny, similar to Diami Brown, but runs a low 4'4", 
quality agility testing with a 37-inch vertical over a 10-foot broad jump. He's an explosive, fast guy that has excellent double moves. He understands how to attack leverage on the vertical plane. He's not quite the same level of Diami Brown in terms of getting in a defender's blind spot, but what he does do is he forces them to flip their hips to respect his speed and his explosive ability up the field, and then he makes his last cut and turns him around. He's very good on his double moves. He has nice, solid hips. He can make quick breaks. He's just not asked to do anything much more than comebacks. And so again, it's all on the vertical route tree right now. He will need some time, but that's why you're snagging him in day three. He's a guy that's working in behind Seth Williams. So you have two options to eventually play on the outside that provide entirely different skill sets. Smith-Marset can also handle, you know, some of the gimmicky stuff behind the line of scrimmage, end arounds, play out of the slot. I think he's highly, if you get this guy on day three, you get a steal. Honestly, right now, I think as the NFL creeps closer, he's a guy that because wide receiver is such a scheme specific position, a team will like him in the top 100. It's just a matter of how many teams will that be. It, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him go top 100 or in the middle of day three, all depend on, you know, what team's looking for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a gamble on athletic profile because he's got it. He's got fluid hips. He, he's a pretty smooth runner. He's explosive. He's fast. Like, he's got the tool set to be a guy at the next level. It's about transforming that into the player that that NFL team wants. Watching, you know, cornerbacks as I do, I had to watch a bunch of Big Ten corners, and you just see teams play him differently, the amount of space that they give him. They respect him as a deep threat, and they have to because they went over the top often. Even Iowa, who's not a team that's necessarily throwing down the field often, is a team that you had to respect with him on the field there. You know, he's got a lot of growth to do. You know, he he's going to be a kick returner, probably first and foremost. That's going to be the immediate contribution. He was, in, he was a good kick returner, be able to translate that. So Dave Tobe, you know, he, him and his short shorts, just listened up all of a sudden because he's a kick returner. But I could see the Chiefs adding a guy like that, having him develop behind everybody and be able to trust them going forward to try and address a lot of these positions with some later round guys at wide receiver rather than committing to an early round pick. Surround Mahomes with quantity, athletic profile, and hope that something good comes from it. Dave Tobe's happy right now. He's smiling. All right, compensatory round five, pick 181. We're going with an edge, adding another edge into the mix here. We're going with Joshua Kando out of Florida State. Janarius Robinson got all the, you know, kind of, you know, buzz, deservedly so. Uh, but Kando, I think he's he, he fits Steve Spagnuolo's prototype. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's, some, there's some traits there that you can work with this late in the draft. I mean, he's another guy that crossed the board. Perfect Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. You know, six foot six almost, 260 pounds, 34 and a half inch arms. But here's what's really impressive about Kendo. He ran a 46840 at that size with that length, jumped over 36 inches, 10 and a half foot broad almost. And while not the elusive but very fun sub seven second three cone, it was still 7.21, which is quality for a guy with that kind of length. Yeah, he's a little bit linear as an athlete, but he's a superb linear athlete. He was a five-star recruit. This is one of the best recruits in the entire country coming out of high school. He went to Florida State, and like every other five-star Florida State player, he sucked there because their coaching staff 
absolutely sucks and can't develop anybody. <laughs> so now he's coming into the NFL and he's not a young, he's not old, but he's not a young player anymore. And he just has all this raw potential and has no idea how to use it because of Florida State. These are guys you take a chance on, you know, on day three. And it's really easy when you have a coach like Steve Spagnuolo to identify guys that fit really well like this because the physical profile is so specific. It is interesting that Kendo's development, and I 100% agree with you, is not as far along as Janarius Robinson. I think Janarius Robinson is actually a pretty smart player in a lot of different areas. I, I think um, Janarius Robinson's smart too, especially versus the run. But I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl, and he literally had no idea how to run the arc. Like, his foot pacing up the arc, his steps, yeah. had no concept of what he was doing. And it's just, it's mind-boggling me. Both those guys are four and a five-star athlete out of high school. How they have gotten no better since then. Marvin Wilson was like the best player in the country. Went to Florida State. I'm pretty sure he's regressed since he left high school because of what they do at that program. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't. it's going to be interesting where Marvin Wilson winds up, frankly. Uh, like, let's go to the final pick of this draft, this mock draft, where we, we've only been picking players with high fits here in the KC draft guide. That's all we've been doing. And we're going with round six, pick 207. Cornerback Brian Mills out of North Carolina Central, another senior bowl guy, Craig. In honor of Therese, we had to go with an HBCU prospect here out of NC Central, Brian Mills. A long cornerback, a light cornerback, a physical press man cornerback does not have particularly good speed, but he is the type of guy to play on the outside and be able to be physical throughout the route tree, willing to tackle. A guy that surprised us a little bit at the senior bowl. I think because he moved a little bit more fluidly than we expected, and he was really good in contested catch situations. When you're talking about a late day three pick you're just trying to fill it with guys that you think maybe can contribute on special teams and maybe develop into a position that's why the Chiefs traded back in for Bo Pete Keys it's not because they're expecting him to become a starter they want to take that swing Brian Mills is a good swing in that regard as well I think that he's while he does not have the long speed, the Chiefs are very comfortable with playing with guys on the outside that don't have that long speed. And their ability to protect them is widely documented. We we talk about that all the time. Brian Mills will be able to fit in, play a lot of those underneath routes, and be able to develop as a long guy, put a little more weight on him, have him play that sort of physical nature underneath, and try and take away a lot of that shallow stuff. He would be a good player to take a swing on in this draft class. And I think a guy that's not getting a whole lot of buzz despite going to the Senior Bowl, he had a pretty good Senior Bowl. So I, I would add him here and take that gamble. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory. It was a full mock draft based solely on players that got high fits in the KC draft guide. Hey, kids, if somebody... Oh, oh, sorry, I just want to say, hey, if somebody wanted to know more about some of these high fits or why they are high fits for the Kansas City Chiefs, where should they look? Well, that is exactly where I was heading, Matthew. Thank you so much for interrupting me to create a transition that I was already going to transition to. But that's okay. Go to gum.co slash kcdraftguide21. We have 300 pages of Chief-specific draft content like the stuff we just kind of outlined here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for buying the draft guide. We'll catch you later. Be sure to check out everything on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel and buy the KC 